It's been almost two years since the COVID pandemic started, and we've all gone through it. No one has been unaffected. Our lives got thrown for a loop in so many ways, it's hard to count. And as the pandemic has raged, we have gone through ups and downs. There was the initial uncertainty and fear of COVID at the beginning, and then there seemed to be some light at the end of the tunnel as things started opening up and the vaccines were coming out. But then cases surged, and then they dropped, and then they surged again. Through it all, our faiths were tested. Our church was tested. And like I said, we've, we've all been through it now. I know how my life was affected and how I processed everything, but today I wanted to hear firsthand from some medical professionals about what their experience was like through these past two years. In particular, I hope we can find some encouragement for our faith as we hear how their faiths were tested and what they learned by being on the front lines, so to say. Finally, I hope this conversation will also shed some valuable light for our youth who may be interested in going into the medical field. With that, let's get started. Yeah, glad to have uh, you guys both here. Uh, we have Joyce Ye and Eddie Yang, both uh, members of our church who have been around for a while, and they're both medical professionals. Um, and so we just wanted to have them here to kind of hear what they had to say in terms of how they got into the profession, and also in light of the past two years, any kind of insight or wisdom they can give to us as we continue to embark on this pandemic journey, especially for us as believers at Better Life, but also for our youth, tips and um, suggestions, advice that we can give to our youth as well. So welcome, Joyce. Welcome, Eddie. Thanks. Um, Good to be here. It's uh, exciting to be part of the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's start off uh, with a very just simple question to get, let us get to know you guys a little bit better. Can you give us a little bit of your background and your involvement with Better Life as well? Uh, sure, I can start. Um, so I've been coming to Bird of Life for a little, about 20 years actually. Um, mm -hmm. Started coming here uh, shortly after my older daughter was born. And uh, my husband Bing, um, his family actually has been coming here for a long time, so he grew up here. Um, so we started coming um, like in, I guess, 2001. Um, and so for me, most of, I think, my main involvement in terms of service here has been with uh, women's ministry, um, primarily with the mentoring uh, ministry, and then uh, I was also involved with college fellowship for a little while, a few years back. Yeah, I've been, uh, my parents actually came to this church when I was two years old, so I grew up at Bread of Life, um, mostly, you know, the Kent Avenue location um, and then uh, just going through youth group and um, Sunday school and all of that uh, so really um, my faith really benefited from the ministries at Bread of Life 
and then uh, after college came back to Bread of Life um, as a young adult. Um, most of my ministries have been with uh, the college fellowship. Actually, started teaching college Sunday school when Will came to our <laughs> our church, um, and so he had to suffer through some of the learning curve of uh, figuring out how to teach Sunday school. Um, and then uh, a couple years ago, joined the board as a deacon, uh, so serving in some administrative type roles at Bread of Life as well. Cool. Thank you. Um, all right. Uh, yeah, thanks for giving us that little background. And maybe now more specifically about your guys' medical backgrounds. You know, what do you guys do currently? Where are you guys working? And also how you guys got into the profession you're in now. Uh, okay. Um, so I am currently uh, working um, at a transitional care center. And uh, basically that is a place that a lot of older patients will go to after they leave the hospital before they're ready to go home. Um, and uh, I like working with the, the older population. Most of my patients are in their 70s, 80s, 90s. Um, and I've been doing that for about 10 years. And prior to that, my first job was with a residency um, program. So I was doing teaching. Um, and that was fun too um, for, for the 10 years um, after I finished my training. So I think uh, I started thinking about medicine a little bit in high school. Um, my mom was a nurse, so I always thought about the medical field, um, but more seriously in college, um, I was trying to figure out, like every college student has to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I think at that time, um, a couple things were happening. Um, I also uh, was growing a lot in my faith. Um, I grew up primarily in a non-Christian home. And so college was when I um, experienced a lot of my personal spiritual growth. Um, so sort of asking the questions of, you know, what is the purpose of my life as well as what do I want to do with my life? Um, those two questions intersected well, I think, with medicine. Um, I think I felt like it was a place where I could make a difference, um, where I could be helping people as everybody's probably thinks about when they go into medicine. Um, and in particular, I went to school in Berkeley, and so the homeless population there um, made a big impact on me. Um, so thinking about people who were less fortunate and how I could be meeting those needs was was also one of the, the reasons why I chose medicine. Yeah, I'm actually a first-generation doctor, um, which is kind of a, a, a weird thought if you've never had um, an interest in medical field, but a lot of people that go into medicine have family members who are in medicine. Um, so for me, it was a lot of my friends in high school who were going down that track, and um, I was taking the same classes as them, and they influenced me a lot in considering um, going to medical school. Um, before that, I was always going to be an engineer like my dad. Um, and so I think it was a nice mix between science and um, some kind of like a helps, like a, like a, yeah, more of an interpersonal kind of field where you can interact with people more and, and meet them at their needs. And so I went to medical school and, and really focused on what I think as a kid I thought a doctor was, and, and that's primary care. So I'm a family medicine doctor. Um, I work at Kaiser here in, in the South Bay, Harbor City, over by the 110 freeway. And um, I've been there for 15 years now, take care of close to 3,000 patients um, in the South Bay area. So I, I see 
very kind of everyday things. As youth are listening to this and youth parents as well, like, have any thoughts that you guys can give to them in terms of thoughts like what to think about if you're thinking about medical profession or maybe even um, things that they wouldn't necessarily know about what it means to be a doctor or how to become a doctor, etc. Um, so I think that, I mean, we're in a Chinese church, so I think there, there's probably a lot of people who have thought about, you know, going into medicine or their parents wanted them to go into medicine. Um, and I think, and, I, and I've met with quite a few college students regarding that. Um, and I think one of the things is that medicine is not just being a doctor. So, you know, there, there really are a lot of opportunities in healthcare, um, whether it's, you know, pharmacy or being a physician assistant or, um, you know, speech therapy. There's a lot of breadth in the healthcare field where you can be working in a medical area, but not necessarily being a doctor. I've, I love my job, so I've not regretted my choice as, um, you know, pursuing medicine, but it is a long and very hard um, road, especially in the beginning. Um, and so I think, you know, I think most people know that going into it, but you just need to be prepared for making a lot of sacrifices in the beginning. And it's, and it's very challenging, um, but I think the reward really pays off in the end. Um, so, you know, these days I feel like there's probably a lot of other professions where you can make just as much money faster and sooner um, than medicine. So you definitely aren't going into it for the money. And I don't think that's why most you know people at, that I've talked to, that's not why they're choosing it. But, um, but I do think that it's, um, it is very rewarding. And so if you really feel like you love it and you stick with it, it's, it's, a, it's a very rewarding field in the end. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it's a field where people put their trust in you, even when they're total strangers. They've known you for 10 minutes. They're asking you to help them make really hard decisions about their health and their life. And that kind of built-in automatic trust is really strange, right? You, you just wouldn't tr trust strangers that way with anything else. Um, but it, in medicine, it seems to be kind of built-in for the most part and, and you know just to just to put a counterpoint though to the length of study you know as I reflected on that I mean that's always the first question people ask right like how long did you have to be in school for and then they they remark that's ridiculous right <laughs> um, and you know my reflection though is that almost all of my friends um, that I was in high school with went on to do some graduate studies, you know, mm -hmm. whether that's business school um, or, or a master's degree, they may have worked for a little bit and then decided to go back to it. Um, we all take entry level pay. We all do internships mm -hmm. and slowly kind of mature into our careers. Right. So whether you want to call that medical school or residency, or you just want to call that like I'm the low man on the totem pole at my job and I do grunt work. I mean, we all learn for so long. So I, I think you, you need to take that all into consideration when you think of how long the journey is. Um, I mean, everybody's journey takes a long time. Mm -hmm. Oh, thanks. So <laughs> kind of going into this past couple of years, like, how has this pandemic been for you guys as medical professionals? Um, you know, how was like, if you were to say like there's a, maybe a 
first half of it or like 2020 maybe and then 2021 like really different um yeah how, how just how was it for you guys um so i mean i i think the pandemic has affected all of us pretty profoundly um whether we're in the medical profession or not i i don't think there's anyone that you know hasn't been obviously touched by and probably negatively affected in some way um, I think for myself, um, the beginning few weeks or months were just super, super stressful. Um, I think that um, there was a lot of, there were a lot of things that were unknown um, and work was very busy. And, and I think the unknown was probably the most frightening thing. And um, working with a lot of patients who were very frail and vulnerable at the time, I think that was also um, pretty scary. But I think, I will say that in those beginning weeks, it also made it very clear to me that I was in the right profession. Um, I never regretted being a doctor during that time. And in fact, it felt a little bit, I don't, Eddie might relate to this, a little bit like going to war, um, you know, where you felt like you were in the trenches with your coworkers and the nursing staff and, and that you had this common goal. And I know for sure that, you know, my coworkers and I all got a lot closer during um, COVID. And in fact, one of my coworkers and I are like best friends now because we mm. were, we worked together a lot in the early months. Um, so I think it actually, for me, made it very clear that I had picked the right profession and I was where I was supposed to be. And I think over time, um, certainly the big turning point, I think, um, for most of us in medicine was the vaccines. Once the vaccines were available, I think I breathed a sigh of relief <laughs> uh, for myself and, and for my family, because in the beginning, we were all a little bit afraid of you know bringing something home to our family members. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think with the vaccines, that helped a lot. And this year has been not normal, but more normal than before. Um, and, you know, trying to just sort of live life as, as um, normally as possible, I guess, given the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, the beginning of the pandemic was was a jolt, right? I, I remember going from uh, being in the office 100% to being at home 100%, um, doing telephone calls and having an email from my chief saying, I need you to clear off your desk in three days because we need your office for something else for a COVID clinic. And so it was it was a, a jolt and then we had to adjust quickly. But yeah, I, I agree with Joyce. Um, there was a moment where I found out that I was exposed in March 2020. Um, one of the first patients that I saw who had COVID. And so I requested a test. And at that time, only our infectious disease specialist could do the test. Mm-hmm. So he came to my office to swab my nose. And um, when he came, I said to him, you were born for this moment. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, we all were. And it, it gave me this sense of like mission, right? Like, like we're in this war, right? And, and it emboldened me to, to do the urgent care clinics where we see patients who are sick and we're, we're not sure if they have COVID. And um, there were moments where you had to really find that courage in yourself to go. Um, but it also kind of affirmed your mission, right? Mm-hmm. And, and saying, what am I doing here? This is, this is what I'm here for. And I think um, this, the, the medicine of the virus and 
COVID is not hard. I think we understood that very early. But what was hard was all the tribalism, all the factions, divisions, the, the misinformation that ensued. And there were times when I felt like I had to check if I was the crazy one. Mm-hmm. You know, there were moments where I thought to myself, like, am I the only one that thinks this? Am I the one that's confused about this? Right. And I think that was difficult because the world was so split on so many things. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for sharing all that. Um, I think you kind of uh, touched on the turning point of the vaccine. Go into a little more detail, like uh, that or maybe other turning points in the pandemic or just maybe more just like revealing points for yourself, like maybe moments or like experiences you guys had that like really stand out to you in the past couple of years. Um, yeah, do you guys have anything specific like that? Um, I mean, I think for me, it, there were definitely moments of um, just experiencing, I guess I'll specifically talk about just sort of as the body of Christ, mm-hmm. um, as a church. Um, I can definitely remember moments where, um, you know, I really felt God's sovereignty um, through everything. So, you know, I, I, we were pretty quickly shifted from like in-person services to online services. And I, I remember, you know, just that first time kind of logging in onto YouTube and, <laughs> um, and um, breaking down in tears, you know, when Alex um, started the worship set and just because everybody was in this very sort of un, unknown state and there was a lot of uncertainty, but yet we could still gather together um, in that moment and, and worship as a body, even though, you know, virtually. So that was that was memorable um, to me. Another interesting moment stands out. Um, I, I had a sister from the church who reached out to me like, you know, a few weeks in. And this is when like PPE was in shortage. Right. And nobody like we were like digging through our garages for like expired N95 masks. And and she reached out to me and said, hey, like, you know, I happen to have like a box of N95 mm-hmm. masks. I want to give them to you. And and like gestures like that were very touching to me um, of people just kind of not just thinking for themselves because there was a lot of that going on too yeah. where people were only thinking mm-hmm. for themselves. But, mm-hmm. you know, kind of within the body of Christ, people making that effort and, and reaching out. You know, and I, and I think just definitely um, the first time that church opened for in-person services again, mm-hmm. that was very emotional also and um you know for the the group of people who were here there were a lot of um tears behind masks for sure yeah um one of the things that i've been meditating on and and thinking a lot about um is this idea of of peace Mm -hmm. but not so much in the in the sense of the word peace that i think we understand in english but more the the new testament kind of shalom or Rene, which, you know, I was learning during the pandemic uh, through the Bible project that, you know, this is more of an idea of wholeness mm-hmm. or completeness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this is something that God places in our heart a longing for, right? And we want things to be whole and complete, whether it's a relationship or the order of your life. And as a doctor, I think even more so, right? I'm actually built this way where if some bone is broken, I need it to heal. If somebody's blood pressure or sugar or cholesterol is too high, I need to get it back down to normal. 
And there is a sense of me that needs to make things whole and complete. And one of the hardest things about the pandemic was that there is this general unrest and even anger, or I like to say fussiness about people. And I believe it's because there is a lack of peace or shalom. You know, we feel like our world is broken and we want it to be back the way it's supposed to be. Right. And I think most of us envision our world in 2019 as the way it's supposed to be. You can travel, you can go to a restaurant, you can go to school and work without fear of catching COVID. And that's broken. And we want it to be back like that. Um, But the hardest thing about seeking that peace during this time was that we couldn't achieve it. Mm -hmm. And it was this past Christmas that it kind of like was reminded to me so simple an idea but we can't achieve peace and it was during that time that I was reminded that the angels said to the shepherds in the field peace among men and then Jesus uh, as he appeared to his disciples after he, he resurrected he said to them peace to you and it was because of Jesus that we have finally the opportunity for peace or wholeness, mm. right? And our striving to regain peace is sort of never ending, right? We're never going to get there. We, we hope to, hope to get the world back to the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. But even that is broken and continually breaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a really good word. Um, yeah, I mean, you guys kind of already touched on this. Your faith, how did your guys's faith dictate how you guys approach the pandemic and even in with maybe even coworkers with patients um i mean i i think for me in terms of work i think not that i didn't struggle with it you know i i think as as a christian obviously we you know we know that ultimately god is sovereign and he's in control but that doesn't mean that I didn't have definite days of panic and fear, you know. Um, and I think, you know, wanting to be that messenger in the workplace because, you know, I wasn't the only one who was freaking out. There were lots of coworkers who were who were very concerned. Um, so I think, um, you know, trying to be um, sort of that calm at the workplace, but it it was just with a lot of prayer to to get there um you know i definitely had a lot of people praying for me and i was definitely praying a lot during that time um because i don't you know kind of like what eddie said you know that piece is not going to come from my strength so it has to come from outside of me um but i i think you know knowing that you know god is greater than this pandemic um, i think that did give me a perspective at work and I think also sort of moving forward, you know, partially at work and just in the world, you know, I think Eddie's definitely touched on there's, there's just a lot of contention. There's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of um, different opinions. And, um, and I think one thing that God has been teaching me about is the idea of extending grace um, mm-hmm. that you know, it's real easy to like dig in my heels and say, no, but this is the right way. You know, clearly the science shows this, um, but you know, as we all know, that only goes so far. Um, and, and I think God has really placed it on my heart that, um, you know, 
I need to be gracious um, in my interactions, um, not just with people at work, but um, definitely just brothers and sisters um, in church. Um, and a lot of times with people who don't have the same opinions or, or beliefs that I do, but um, that my job is not necessarily to convince them, but to be gracious. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's a lesson I've been learning. Yeah, I think um, early in the pandemic, I was troubled by some of the some of the protests from from churches mm -hmm. regarding their ability to worship in person, mm -hmm. uh, to sing without wearing a mask, and it was it was coined in a way where where we were demanding our rights, um, our right to worship, our right to speech, and I felt that that was uh, very counter to the Christian faith. Um, you know, Philippians talks about considering the needs of our neighbors above our own, um, about taking on the model of Christ who did not consider his own rights um, to be grasped, but, you know, just set it all down, right? And, you know, it was during that time that I was uh, very frustrated that there were Christians and, and leaders that I respected a lot within the church, within the church at large in, in America, who didn't have these same kind of thoughts and, and um, priorities. Um, and, and it made me kind of question, you know, um, if, if we are all on the same page with, you know, what, what we're doing as Christians and how we're affecting our communities. More personally, I think my faith was most tested, uh, not when I went to work, but when I had to send my kids to school. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just trusting all over again that God would take care of them. Um, it was almost like that dropping off your kid at preschool for the first time <laughs> kind of feeling, right? Like, I can't be there to protect them and make sure they're wearing their mask and all of this. Um, and then just praying real hard that um, that they would be okay. Yeah, there's so many moments, I'm sure, like that, where like a lot of things that we used to take for granted that we just do, it's just also like, okay, we got a second, kind of like rethink it or like, you know, think about how we should best do these things or most safely do these things. And, oh, man. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you, both of you guys have touched on talking with different people who may have different opinions on how to approach the pandemic, how to approach COVID, and everyone everyone has the internet, and so they're able to read and watch and listen to all sorts of different kinds of news sources and different opinions from this side or that side or whatever, right? And that's hard in itself because everyone's able to hear what they want to hear. How do you guys think we should be approaching all this information that's floating out there? I mean, I guess I'll make one comment on that in, in some ways. Like, I do feel like sometimes we can overread the news or overread things. Um, you know, I, I think obviously the pandemic, you know, what's going on is important, um, but I also know like doom scrolling and just, you know, reading about all the stats and everything day after day after day, it, it can have a negative effect on, I know it, it had a negative effect on me. Um, I had to definitely take breaks from that. And, and I think especially for our youth, um, 
it can and it can do that as well. Um, I think it's good to be informed. Um, and you know, I still say, you know, regardless of sometimes, you know, having um, uh, missteps or whatnot, you know, CDC like big organizations, I still go with what they say. Um, you know, and and I think for those who are interested in medicine, I think you know the pandemic's a good example that there are things that you know, are just not known right away. And um, and it's actually, from a science standpoint, really exciting and fascinating that this was, you know, a virus that we had never seen before and, and how do we deal with it? Um, and so, you know, not everything is black and white and, and things need to be flexible, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the guidance that we're getting from, you know, large government agencies with a lot of smart scientists is, is wrong. Um, and so I, I would still go with that as a primary news source um, and maybe not, you know, click on every um, possible article about COVID that you can. Yeah, I, I don't think there's a good answer. Um, I, I think maybe humbly is the only word you can say. You know, I, I remember a couple of huge uh, mistakes that were made early on. Um, I remember the CDC saying that masks were not important. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, just with furrowed brow, I, I kind of thought, you know, we've been wearing masks in the operating room for hundreds of years. Why could, why would that be not important? Um, and, and then, you know, that just turned 180 degrees within a few weeks. Um, and then, you know, this whole idea of building immunity until we saw patients getting COVID the second time in the summer of 2020. And mm -hmm. that crushed me, you know, when I saw that, I was, when I saw that firsthand, I was, I was so um, just discouraged, like what kind of virus are we dealing with mm -hmm. where we can't develop immunity um, or that we could lose it. And so, you know, everything that, um, you proclaim to know right now could be wrong in a couple of weeks. Um, and so, yeah, I think there are a lot of us that uh, jump to say like, no, obviously this is the right answer only to be shown wrong. Yeah. So I, I think we need to be humble. We don't have to make decisions right away. We can s slowly approach things. I think checking, you know, sources is really important. There's a lot of misinformation and I think most young people know these days that, you know, your news feed is selectively given to you, that Apple News, that Google, that Facebook and wherever you get your news is is choosing what you want to read and giving it to you. Um, so it's not balanced, but it's not healthy not to look at the news either, which some of my friends have chosen to just kind of climb into their hole and, and not know what's happening. Um, that's kind of dangerous. So, yeah, I think we, we need to sift through it. You know, we need to talk to people. And when you're not sure, you know, get, get multiple opinions. But, you know, yeah, mostly it's just being humble because things will come to light after a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think you guys made a good point that I kind of heard was that there's all these news sources and we hope that they would be reliable, but we can't put... Are, we can't read one article and just say like okay I'm for sure just gonna believe that right and like not think that okay possibly there might be some other side of this or kind of yeah and I think one thing I was thinking about is like perhaps for the more 
if you know you're more prone to like anxiety and like mm-hmm. you know even depression or like um, just you're more prone to like getting in your head about everything maybe you don't need to read that many articles put yourself in like a doom and gloom kind of situation whereas those who are like completely don't care about anything or don't aren't cautious at all some wisdom might be needed in seeing what everyone else is worried about and like kind of like understanding where their worries coming from and so I think that's all been yeah, really good thoughts and good ideas to think about I know this is an impossible question but what's your guys' best guess as to how 2022 will look like for the all for all of us <laughs> I pass <laughs> 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 That's fine. Well, I mean, I guess what I will say is, you know, in in a with perspective, I mean, 2021 was certainly better than 2020 in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I think just personally for my kids, you know, um, I got to go to an in-person high school graduation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've been able to take some family trips kids have been able to go back to school in person and then now online again, unfortunately, (laughs) but there's the hope for in person again. So, you know, I I think from a pandemic standpoint, it it has been better. Um, So I, you know, I'm hopeful that that will continue to be the case. You know, I I think personally, I am concerned about sort of the effects of um, the isolation and the, you know, separation and this yeah. online learning and online church and online, et cetera, what impact that's going to have on mm-hmm. us. Um, I think um, Dr. Thomas actually talked about that this weekend at the Spiritual Formation Conference that a lot of times we don't realize the impact of isolation until later. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do wonder how that's going to impact us kind of spiritually as a church body. And so I'm hoping that 2022 will be you know a time where we can come together more in person um, and kind of reconnect where those connections might have been lost um, over the last couple of years Um, every time we have a surge it's because of a variant and uh, we just have to see how that goes Um, as the world gets vaccinated hopefully we don't create too many new variants but if if there's any kind of encouragement in Omicron, it's that the variants are getting weaker in mm-hmm. terms of how serious the illness is. And so it's possible that COVID will become something that becomes seasonal for us. And it's just mild enough that most people don't uh, become severely ill. It, I think, I think, you know, that's our best case scenario. I don't think COVID's going to go away entirely. Um, if there's a silver lining, I haven't seen a case of flu in two years. Um, <laughs> so you may not need a flu shot in the future. We'll see. But that's kind of cool. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think probably, you know, we'll, we'll have a decent summer and then next winter will be bad again. We kind of talked a little bit about faith and through the pandemic. Are there any thoughts that you guys have in terms of like how... How might have how might have the pandemic COVID like helped us think better in terms of our faith in terms of church or what has COVID brought to the forefront in terms of what we need to be more aware of as Christians as the church? 
Uh, I mean, I think Eddie touched on this a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I think I shared, probably a lot of people shared similar frustrations when you see a lot of division in the church um, come about because of COVID. And I think that's happened, you know, sort of at the church, at, in the church at large, but even just in our own church, I think um, there's lots of different opinions. And um, I think, you know, if any, I feel like it's brought out the need for grace and I like Eddie's word humility you know I, I think that sort of approaching pandemic issues with the I'm definitely right and you're wrong attitude I think really doesn't get anyone anywhere mm-hmm. um, and so I feel like in the church community um, it just brings to light how much of that probably was always there but we just didn't have some one thing that everyone could fight about all at mm-hmm. once and and COVID gave that to us mm-hmm. and it really brought to light a lot of things um, in our hearts, you know, about prideful thinking or selfish thinking, mean thinking, really, you know, and, and, I, and I think just personally, it, I've definitely had a lot of opportunities. I think because I'm a healthcare professional and I don't know if Eddie's experienced this, a lot of people are, you know, who may have very different opinions than me will want to hear what I have to say and sort of argue with me. Um, and so it's it's given me a lot of opportunities, I think, to, to engage in conversation. And um, there were definitely times where I wasn't in a good place to have those types of conversations. But as, as time has gone on, I, I think I'm more willing to do that and, and to really approach it with like, okay, I really want to try to understand where this person's coming from. Mm-hmm. And, and my, my role is not to prove them wrong or prove me right but I just want to hear where they're coming from. And, and I feel like um, that's a good opportunity for us as a church body, whether it's about COVID or anything else, um, just to really you know, be more open and, and gracious with each other and, and willing to listen about COVID and about other issues as well. Yeah. I, I think COVID has really um, shown us how much uh, community is important to us, mm-hmm. um, how much being around people and experiencing their fellowship is important. I don't think we need to tell that to young people. They love being together, right? Our youth uh, love being together. And so they know the value of, of hanging out and, and seeing each other and spending time. But with that, we have to suspend a lot of our personal rights. Mm-hmm. And in order to be together, you have to give up Right. Like if you want to hang out with your friends and you really want to watch a movie, but they really don't, you have a right to watch a movie. But if you're going to be with them, then you have to suspend that for now Mm -hmm. and do what the group wants to do. And um, a lot of times when we are together as a community, uh, we have to consider others and their safety and their comfort Mm -hmm. and uh, how, how much they're willing to gather together, you know, don't make people feel uncomfortable that they're the only one wearing a mask or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's really about loving each other more and sacrificing in order for us to still have community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of tag on to that. Like, I feel like um, I feel like actually the youth are pretty good about this, I, mm-hmm. I think, with my own kids and that there's um, sort of a level of consideration that it's really about whoever is the most uncomfortable, you try to make them comfortable, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um, 
I, I think that that type of consideration is really what Jesus calls us to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I've appreciated as you know our leadership has worked on opening church up safely that sure, there's a lot of people who may feel like, oh, this is these restrictions are not necessary, but we really are trying to make place, church a place where everyone feels comfortable, even the mm-hmm. most uncomfortable person, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's a good, um, that's a good Jesus way of living. <laughs> yeah, it makes me think of, uh, like I think today that Dr. Connors also has talked about how the whole Asian culture versus American individualism and like, yeah, just the idea that we, we may unconsciously just have this pull to feel like, oh, whatever I want to do, like, I want to do that. Like, you can't control what I, like, try and do, but, yeah, God calls us to be in community and to sacrifice to one another and to care, to, to love one another and to care for each other in certain ways that we may not want to do, but um, it's good for us because that's what God has called us to do. Um, so I think that, that, I think we've seen that a lot in the pandemic, and hopefully we've kind of more realized just how much what it actually even looks like to sacrifice in community to be in community to really love each other even when we don't agree um i think like you said like there's there's always issues that we obviously have we just don't talk about them that much but the pandemic since everyone's going through it it's unavoidable we have to address these things it just was more in our face Mm -hmm. right um but hopefully this will teach us to then when we do come to conflict with other topics that we know it's not just like a oh there's only one right answer and you have to listen to me or else i'm leaving you yeah thank you guys so much is there any final thoughts you guys want to share on encouragements or i mean i'll just say for those who are thinking about medicine um in some form i mean it's a great field i think it's it definitely there's there's no um, there are very few professions where you really can make an impact very personally in people's lives. Um, I think Eddie touched on this like you know people trust you with a lot, and I also add just um, outside of just the your job. Um, I think being a doctor has given me a lot of opportunities just even in my communities, um, whether mm-hmm. it's you know church community or um, the the school community people will come to me because I'm a doctor with kind of serious stuff and and allow me to walk alongside them. And, mm-hmm. and that's a privilege also. Um, so I think um, it's definitely very rewarding. Um, and, you know, I've not had any regrets about it. So that's good. And I look forward to going to work every day. Mm-hmm. That's good, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, there's my, my brother and I are doctors and um my sister-in-law, Lynn, is an occupational therapist in the hospital. She works inpatient. And um, my parents have not stopped praying for the three of us for two years now. And to see them respond this way almost immediately with the pandemic, um, you see the heart of your parents, right? And, and they've never pushed us into medicine but I think like a lot of Asian families, it's considered a good career, right? It, it's not like they tried to talk me out of it. And yet, you know, there's this whole other side with the risk of infectious disease, which has always been there, right? I get TB tested every single year because I might get tuberculosis. 
I mean, we understand that that's part of the job, but COVID really brought that out. And I think you can see the heart of the parents um, thinking, what is my child gotten himself into, (laughs) right? Uh, And uh, just really fervently praying for our safety. And so, yeah, I think I think as as families think about careers, as youth think about going into medicine, it's something that you need to to consider as well, but also uh, lift up to God, as with everything else. Well, thank you guys so much for your time, and uh, yeah, just the words of wisdom and just sharing your guys' experiences, life stories in a sense. Yeah, thank you guys so much. We will hopefully come out of this eventually or have a some sense of normalcy eventually thanks thanks for having us i'm really glad we were able to have this conversation with joyce and eddie and a few things jumped out to me uh, from the conversation and reflecting upon it Uh, first thing is to be humble we need to be humble particularly in terms of just realizing we don't know everything and there are going to be different opinions on every side there's different fears that people have there's different apprehensions and just different mindsets that we all have and different news sources and different things we look at through it all we need to be humble to acknowledge that we're never going to have the perfect mindset we'll never be perfect in our opinions And we need to recognize that others may have different views, but we can still call them brothers and sisters in Christ. We can still worship together. We can still serve one another. We can still fellowship together in peace and in unity. And I pray that we would continue to be humble, to lay down our rights and our frustrations and our opinions and love each other and care for each other as God has called us to. The second thing that definitely jumped out to me was that we ought to be thankful for our medical professionals. They mentioned it a few times um, in the conversation that it felt like going into the into the battlefield for them um, to, in a sense, risk their lives and their safety to be able to treat patients with COVID not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing if they'll catch it, not knowing if they'll somehow spread it to their own family members and people they care about. We can be thankful that they chose this profession, that they worked hard to get to where they're at, um, such that they can help others heal, help others live better lives, more healthy lives, and uh, more complete lives in that The last thing I thought of is that we need to continue to be the church, whether in a pandemic or in normal times. We need to be the church that gathers together, that worships together, that serves one another, that the church is not meant to be online. It's not meant to be virtual. God calls us to not neglect to meet together to encourage each other, to stir one one another up with love and good works. And we need to continue to do that. We need to recognize just the beauty it is to 
be in a congregation where people from different backgrounds, with different personalities, with different opinions, with different struggles and sufferings, all these different people are here to worship the same God. Not only in our local church, but even beyond as well. That we can be the church that worships our God who has saved each and every one of us. It is a beautiful thing to witness and a beautiful thing to be a part of. And yeah, I'm just so thankful for this conversation with Joyce and Eddie. And I hope it has blessed you as well.